Welcome to episode 41 of Australian Design Radio to provide Australia and the world with conversations and commentary on Australian design. I'm Flynn Tracy and with me as always is Matt Leach. Hello, how are you? Hi, I'm good. So really excited because we, at the very, when we first began this, we sort of put a list together and as we've talked about before, that list constantly grows. But our guest tonight was one of those people on the original list, yep. which is very exciting. So we have Linda Jukic in the studio with us, who is the creative director of Holesbosch and Agda New South Wales Vice Chair. Chair, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to sort of kick off because I always get referred to it's Matt from somewhere, <laughs> where, wherever I happen to be working. Matt, Matt <laughs> from Pete's Hot Dog fans, sort of thing. It's like, and. I always see that with you as well, because quite often I, I might bring you up in a conversation. I'll say, oh, Linda, you know Linda? And they'll be like, oh, Linda from Moon. Uh, and then I started thinking about that a little bit more. And you were at Moon for 11 years. Yeah, it was just um, short of 11 years. Wow. Yeah. It's a long time. It, it is a long time, certainly for people of kind of our age group. Yeah. Um, it's no, like three <laughs> careers in one. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. People can never be- believe it, but there were um, a lot of people who were long stayers. I guess you'd call them um, at Moon. It was a really great culture. Mm. Yeah, that Moon's one of those places that, at the time, at that particular I, time. I remember yeah. you, go, you go back a number of years, and a lot of people came out of Frost, mm. kind of when they were here, and yep. you, you trace you trace a lot of these really successful people, and they kind of were all in Frost around mm. that kind of five to ten year time. And Moon's the same. Of course, I won't rattle off the names, but there's lots of people there, obviously, you know, we'll be here all night, but there are lots of people there that kind of, yeah, must have been a fantastic culture. Yeah, it it was definitely a fantastic culture. And I think with that whole um, period of, in terms of my tenure there, uh, it was um, what I loved about it. And people always say, how were you there for so long? And I always saw it because the business evolved. So yeah, it was not, when I right. arrived in 2003 <laughs> um, in, that, in that business, over that 10 plus year period I was there, the business changed um, and we adapted and we, you know, there were new um, skills that were brought into the business. There were different types of clients, so we diversified. So I, I always felt like I was learning and developing and, and, and growing. So I, I felt that there, there was enough to, actually there was more than enough to keep me there yeah and there were other changes you know in terms of like we would move a building and as soon as we would move the build into a new um you know a new place that would change the dynamic amongst the team and even you know the, the work and, and so I, I i don't feel like i was at one business for 10 years like i feel yeah, like right. i was at three businesses like in my head i can even you know completely separate what those um three eras yeah. um you know were yeah, different versions. So it's kind of this is Moon One, this is exactly. the second yeah. Moon Two. And yeah. yeah, 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 definitely. So like when the business acquired a digital agency, that was definitely for me. Okay, you know, two point zero. Yeah. Um, where I go, oh, okay. Um, the business is changing. We're bringing um th- those skills in into the business. We're going to cross pollinate. Um, you know, and so then I had to start to understand that that whole space. Mm. So that felt me. That felt like a again a whole new business because. It brought new people, mm. so it's like a new team, mm. new clients. Yeah, so for me, that that idea of continually growing and developing is really important. And I felt that not only did that environment uh, provide that, certainly from a leadership point of view, um, the leaders of the business are always, um, I guess, empowered people and uh, kind of let them do their their, their thing. So it was always a place of uh, make what you can, if that makes sense, of your of yourself. So I always said that to people right. when they arrived, like this place, you can be whoever you want to be. You just 
you know, the opportunities are there, um, give it a go. Cool. Fantastic. Mm. So after 10 years, nearly 11 years, mm. how did it feel to walk out the door for the last time? It was so yeah nerve wracking because really? that's all you kind of like. I've spent do- my you know the dominant part of my career there, so I was like took obviously a long time to make that decision and and it, yeah I was very nervous because I was just like can I operate in the outside yeah. world because it, you know like have I been living in a bubble yeah yeah is this how other places um you know op- operate yeah it, I, I was very nervous with if I had the ability to be able to thrive in another environment it's almost like yeah the prisoner coming out of not not that moon was was a prison (laughs) sorry so were there huge challenges like were you immediately able to kind of find you were speaking the same language as everybody else when you went to your next your next role i mean i think because uh, you know i was still moving into the space of design um so it wasn't another industry uh yeah i I did feel at home i was just like oh yeah I i can do this uh, I think for me, one of the biggest challenges when I came to um, Holzbosch was, and I, I know this is going to sound silly, but I'd never thought about it, was at at Moon, I had built the team. You know, like over the years, I had I had recruited, I had built the team. And we had this, like it's incredible when, it's like people you live with at home, you know how each other works. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I never thought about, oh, what happens if I didn't build the team, if I acquired a team? And I mean, so I arrived at the business, and uh, th- that was the first learning for me. Was like, oh, okay, this is this is a team who I've inherited. You know, thank goodness. You know, really um, gorgeous people. You know, exceptionally talented. Um, uh, you know, very po- positive. So for me, I was just like, okay, well, I can do what I that I do um, in, in that environment. But I'd always, I never, I'd taken that for granted. If that makes sense, the dynamic of how you work with uh, in individuals. But I didn't realize it's a lot to do with how you build it. And I had to build that trust with um, that team, mm. you know. And and so that was an interesting uh, uh, space for for me to play in. In certainly in the first six six months, navigating um, er- earning that trust. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because I remember watching a thing about food trucks. And about how in that small space they're able to move around each other and they start oh, to yeah. learn learn their ways. But if someone new came in, that's when all the accidents happened. <laughs> um, yeah, and I guess for them to also for you know for them to prove to you that they they could do the job. Yeah, I think they were very worried. Um, and I mean, I know this because they um, several of my team members said that they were very worried that I was going to bring the um, moon. Um, style of work and right. moon approach into the business mm. and that wasn't what I was set out to you know I, I didn't come into the business to do that I came into the business to respect the business uh, in terms of its you know the the history that it has and certainly how they 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 operate uh, yeah it was an interesting learning curve for, mm. for me in the, in the first few months and going from moon where you were working on you know massive clients it, there must have been some uh, comfortableness, I guess, for moving into because obviously our Holzbosch deals with very big clients mm-hmm. as well. Uh, what was the main difference about around the clients though? Were they? Uh, I, that was one thing that I didn't fear. Mm-hmm. So, that, uh, I, um, because I felt like you know, I'd been at Moon, I'd had the opportunity to, to work with a lot of Australia's biggest brands. And and so I felt very comfortable. Um, and having worked on so many for you know for a great amount of time yeah I thought yeah I'm, I'm versed in I'm, I'm versed in this I, I can do this 
Uh, I, th- I think the difference between Moon and Holzbosch was just what was interesting and certainly what attracted me was the ability to sit at a table with the CEO. Um, and that's right. what I do. So just like we are right now sitting, um, that's for the you know the last two and a half years, these, these are, I've been having conversations opposite a CEO mm. um, directly, you know, so hearing it from him exactly how he feels, what he thinks. And in response, you know, sharing my ideas, uh, sharing my uh, opinion. So this this was basically, um, you know, at Moon you get opportunities to work with CEOs here and there, but this is pretty consistent with uh, Holzbosch operating at that real top level ex- executive. So you know, sometimes in the past, something would happen in the designers because um, someone in the middle management has, you know, doesn't like that color yeah. or whatever. And, and it's never been managed up properly internally on the client side, whereas uh, there's no excuses here. Like if I walk out of a mu- meeting and something is not bored or something is not um, excited, you know, the client's not excited about it, it's, it's not because I can blame a um, marketing manager. Does yeah, that make sense? Yeah. I, it's, it's me because I'm there sitting in front of um, a CMO or, or a CEO and having that, com- having that com- one-on-one um, conversation about the work sounds like a whole new language yeah to learn. <laughs> um you know what they are they are just people <laughs> it has been um that is the one thing that i've <clears throat> definitely um learned because the first few because it is quite that, that's the level they're operating uh, yeah. holzbosch is operating you're like oh my god every meeting when we're working on a brand is going to have someone in the c-suite there and 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 then you you have these conversations with them and you realize that they are just people they have ambitions just like normal people they have fears just like normal people and i think what's interesting is when you hear their fears about uh you know could be a bit you know a business issue or or a brand um consideration hearing it from the horse's mouth all of a sudden makes me i think much more responsive and and accountable to that so I will go back and go you know what this is a serious concern I need to address it because I have an obligation to this person because I have met them one-on-one and I have developed a rapport Mm. so so that 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 um in a way you again you know trust uh, maybe the you know the theme is all about trust but um you need to earn their trust uh and in in return um they they will trust you if you you deliver and um uh if if you have that kind of transparency, uh, transparency, but yeah, I've been, I've just been like, oh my god, they're just people, you know. They have families <laughs> with children, and they, they play Saturday sports, and I want to believe you that they're people. Yeah, they are. <laughs> I, want, I want to. I want to. So let's talk about some of the work you've done over there, because I think I'd like to talk about ABC Kids, mm-hmm. partly because I, I think I think I've told Flynn this story you before. Because <laughs> I have kids, and and I, I, you know, when we're drawing on a Saturday morning or something, I, I said, to them, <laughs> I want you to draw a couple of your brands or logos or identities that you, you kind of re- remember off by heart. And they actually, one of the logos they drew was ABC Kids, and so, um, so when I found out you did it, I was like, oh, that's that's uh, that's amazing. So what was that job like though? Because that's because you've you've got one kid. Yep. 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 Um, well, that jo- uh, that job was a joy because uh, I forget how old my son was at the at the time, but um, obviously um, having a child, uh, you know, ABC Kids is the place they the go. Yeah. <laughs> Both, you know, tablet. I mean, he can navigate that seamlessly, um, or on 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 TV as well. So that that job was um, basically we had the opportunity, uh, you know, to to work on it and. Um, 
the the premise of the the job which i mean i was surprised that i hadn't even noticed it myself you know basically operating in this kids space you have the broadcast brand which at that point in time was abc for kids which was derivative of um, the abc brand identity Mm. and then you have the um, abc uh, kids identity in the commercial space the commercial being if the ABC shop. Right. And uh, there was no relationship at all between these two um, visual entities, yet there was basically, um, you know, things going on where they really should be, um, they should be connected because, like, for example, if I'm watching... Sean the Sheep, <laughs> I should be able to, well, I would go to the ABC store um, to purchase a DVD, but there's no visual relationship yes. between where I'm watching and where I'm purchasing right. um, and vice vice versa. And the aspirations, I mean, I think the ABC doing a great job in really forging that digital frontier um, compared to a lot of the other um, broadcast brands. And so their aspirations are obviously, which are quite um, made known public, is to be... Um, to be quite an innovator in that digital space. So when you have these two entities and you have this ambition to really, uh, you know, um, push forward um, and do more content and do more interesting things in that digital platform, they wanted to create a singular identity um, uh, that would bring all of this together. So so the job was a joy because um, at the end of the day, my target audience was my son. Yeah. <laughs> um, is, that, is, that, is that taking your work home with you? Maybe? <laughs> oh, oh, yes. I was taking it home. I was putting it up on the walls. And, you know, it wasn't just him. Like, we've got other kids in our apartment block. So we were consulting the other kids. Um, Love it. Uh, we were consulting, like, um, uh, Jade at Holzbosch. He's got kids, and he, he was consulting his kids and, and the mother's group um, as well. So whatever we did, we took to... Um, we took to all the kids. Actually, we put a video together because we did a bit of research and it's quite interesting watching the video uh, uh, relating to all the children, how, how they read all the different work that we did and how they assessed it. And, and um, yeah, it was, yeah it, was, it was really, really fascinating. And, and I, I really took it seriously in terms of what the children, the feedback that the children gave. Mm. You know, I, I really wanted to please them. You know, I, I wanted to really <laughs> excite them and bring so much you know like for them to understand what we were doing so even simple things like the where we arrived at there's an apple there's a bee and there's a carrot we we had so many manifestations of those um, icons and it was really important to us that those icons were understood by the children what was really fascinating and we did like hundreds of iterations Um, the kids got it like in a flash yeah like you show a kid and then like you'd have the most abstract bee and they'd be like bee like, or, you know, the most abstract carrot, they'd be like, carrot. You'd show an adult and they'd be like, mm, what are you trying to do there? Like, I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, not sure. Think it's black and yellow. This stri- uh, it's, it'd be, Yeah, so the purity of their thought process um, was really uh, f- fascinating. So, yeah, where we, um, our final recommendation was basically endorsed <laughs> by all the kids that we had um, y- y- consulted during that design process. I must admit, I've never used that sort of level of consultation of target <laughs> <Yeah>. audience before. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, actually I was just saying to Hans a few days ago, like, so my son loves ABC Kids, but he did a few days ago, he said to me, Mama, I think it's time for you to change the logo. And I said, why? You don't like it? He goes, I love it. But, you know, like, you know, it's just it's just time. You know, everyone should just redo things <laughs> oh, no. every every few few years. And, and 
I was just like, no, no, no. The point of a logo <laughs> <laughs> is that it's it's timeless. But I think he wants he wants to sit down with me and do a drawing session. He's like, I want to. I think we can take it somewhere. Sounds in training. <laughs> yeah, he's in training. Yeah, for sure. You're building a team, but inside your own family. <laughs> yeah. No, this is because it's interesting because I do feel like we're going through rebrand after rebrand at the moment, mm-hmm. and personally, I feel like some of them probably aren't needed as as much as as maybe putting the money back into the customers or into the business or into the infrastructure mm. as opposed to. Oh, that's controversial. I know. I'm <laughs> there. I've come out and said it. As a designer, to say that. <laughs> it's uh, just because I I I guess I was taught, yeah, you build a brand so it is timeless and it can evolve and grow. Yeah. Not just keep changing. But it, I guess the question is to what level does it evolve and grow? So, you know, what, um, you know, I was having this conversation with Hans yesterday and yes, you know, it's important to stay relevant and it's it's important to adapt a, a brand, but how far is, how far, what is adaption versus evolution and how yeah. much is, how much of the core idea or the core essence of the brand um, has has changed if you are moving a, a, a brand forward. Yeah, mm. and I guess you could argue with the Optus logo that it has, it's an evolution because they're still using some of the same elements. Yeah, but maybe that's a transition period. Yeah. I was having this thought the other day, I, I remember you know, you sort of leave design school and then you start seeing all the, mm. all the things, right? You see typography that's kerned incorrectly and <laughs> accidents and mistakes yeah. and the wrong fonts, too many fonts, colors, all that sort of stuff. Um, I joined a fitness brand, not the one we always hear about, but the one that everyone goes to. <laughs> um, is that their <clears> slogan? <laughs> no. um, the other one had a big rebrand. I can't remember how much they spent on it, but it was a global rebrand mm-hmm. of everything they do. So that's from the bag that they give you to... You are, know, we, are we talking about fitness first? We are. Right. Um, but then I'm, so I'm a member of the other, one, uh, the other one now, and I think it's pretty safe to say that it's like a really horrible old logo i don't know if you know it but it's a person running yes oh but i basic, know it. yeah yes. it's on our building <laughs> um and it's about as bad as you get and i remember every time i see it it's kind of nails on a chalkboard but then i started thinking i, I found out the way the business ran and it's it's all franchised out so all right it, so each individual fitness mm. place they have a license to run it they get a commission on how many people come to their version of the gym and how many people sign up that go to other gyms and it's all automated so they all get a cut so there is almost zero incentive for each one of those individual places to change a formula or mm. a system that's already working. Mm. There is no right. I mean, there's a CEO, obviously, yeah. but there but there isn't that person that says right five year plan. Let's roll this out. So it just kind of reminded me when I found out about that that maybe some things don't need to necessarily be changed. Yeah. Or it's more complicated than, than maybe I thought it was just by looking at the logo going, Ugh. And, and I mean, for me, that also demonstrates, I mean, we always talk about the importance of brand and that brand is the be all and end all. But then I think to myself, but is it? Because mm. like, I mean, when I'm talking about brand, there's the brand identity, but then there's the brand. So in in your where you're currently going, so yeah, the brand identity might not be, you know, sexy and sleek and cool, but the product, there's obviously something about the product that, has right. made you select that lo- select that gym, and in, in, I'm sure it's about conveniences. I'm sure it's about facilities. It's but literally I go, downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that's that's their brand as well. Yeah. So yeah. in a way, it doesn't matter. Like because on the vi- so 
on the flip side, there are brands that look all like look awesome, but they don't deliver in service. They mm-hmm. don't deliver in the product. So then I think, well, you haven't upheld your promise because you've promised in the brand identity to be all things, but you haven't delivered on that. So, yeah, yeah I, th- I think, uh, yeah, it kind of goes against what, you know, because in, in my talk to a client, I always actually, I'll always say, yeah, the brand will make the difference, but the brand only makes the difference if you're already delivering on yeah. all the... Yeah. If the product's good, For sure. It, yeah, exactly. And I, and, I think, or, and, yeah. and I don't want to take anything away from what Ray did with the Optus logo at all because I think it's actually really mm. really nicely done job um, it's more the fact that a lot of those companies are just feeling they need to rebrand every every couple of years probably it seems that way it seems yeah. like there's a high frequency of logos changing all the time yeah I don't know un- enough about that um, you know that that case study in terms of I mean obviously I've read about it on, on online but I don't know that you know the Having now, I mean, being on the side where I'm operating with clients, what what it comes in the case study is only like five percent of actually the the ins and outs. But yeah, I believe yeah. that if the business invested to the scale that they have invested in um, evolving their brand, there was absolutely a commercial need for that. There would have been someone in the business who put that business case forward to say. XYZ perhaps is not delivering, yep. so therefore we need to relook at how we. Um, market ourselves yeah. in the market. Yeah. It has, has to yeah. go through a lot of people till it gets to the goalkeeper. So it's like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, it obviously was a decision that we just aren't knowledgeable about. Mm. Um, that that was really in, important to make at that time, I guess. Yeah, mm. no, yeah. it's a good point. It's a really mm-hmm. good point. Mm. I hear even podcasts are rebranding every couple of years. <laughs> oh, crazy. <laughs> Why do they need to rebrand? They don't. <laughs> <laughs> they don't. It's all audio. I don't understand. I like that. the fact that someone said to us, um, yeah, you went really from like retro to like futuristic. <laughs> and you were there and you're like, I could see you saying, my, my logo wasn't retro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about you though. So oh, okay. what... What do you say that you are now? Because I wouldn't just call you a graphic designer anymore. Uh, interesting. Yeah, I, I went overseas. I was just came back from overseas, whatever, 10 days ago. And you've got to fill in those, um, you know, forms when you leave the yeah. country. And I, I was like, what do I put in here? You, you know, put like, anything what, you what want. What do I write? <laughs> yeah. who, who actually looks at that? I've been a doctor before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, I, I used to put designer, mm. like... Um, uh, for most of my career, just designer, because like eh, when you say graphic designer, people are like, "What's a graphic designer, and how's that different?" You yeah. know, all that sort of stuff. Mm. So that I'll just keep a generic designer. But um, I, I did, I did put creative director on on this time because I thought, no, that's what I, that's who I am. That's what I do. You know, I, I'm, I, I believe my thing is creative directing versus designing. Does that make sense? What does that? What do these two things mean to you? Uh, what does it mean to me? Just to, just to define it, because creative director to me might mean something different. Yeah, different to you as well. So I, I see myself as a, like a choreographer or a conductor or uh, the coach. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So my team are my stars. You know, um, they're my players. They're they're the um, musicians, and so my job is to you know create a great musical you know right. that, that, that my job is to coordinate the team to bring out the strengths of each individual to recognize ideas to build on their potential and 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 so that to me is what a creative director that, that's how i see it versus a designer so um you know is, is the violinist right if that, if that makes sense that was you a know. perfect analogy thanks <laughs> yeah that made sense 
you were obviously quite awarded for your design though and you know if we think about what 2011 you were named Australian Creatives one of the what was it, the hot 20 or the creative 20 um, which is pretty amazing but when we spoke just before you came on like a couple of days ago you sort of said that you were a bit sick of all that kind of comparing or oh um I mean I, I love awards yeah <laughs> um I, I, I love awards. I think, uh, yeah, what we were talking about was, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm tired of being asked who's doing it well. Right. You know, so it was less about awards. It was around that question of who's doing it well because most people... That was my really bad <laughs> segue into into this discussion. It's really, <laughs> really subtle. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, but actually, you know, it, w- it was interesting to think about, like I've been thinking about a lot since yeah. you and I talked the other the other day that, you know, who's doing it well? Because automatically you go to awards. I, I believe certainly as a, with a design background and as, you know, I'm a designer at heart, I still love design. You know, I love all that craft and all those things. So when someone says, oh, you know, who's doing it well? The first place I go to is, oh, well, who's getting the most awards? Yeah. But then actually when you start to break it down, and that's why I'm tired of the conversation, is like, well, is it about awards? Um, or is it, well, actually that business has been in business for X amount of years. That business actually has had that client for X amount of years. Um, you know, or is it about who's being talked about? Or is it about who's got the most Instagram followers? Like what is actually the criteria? Yeah, yeah. So who's, the, who's being the most innovative or yeah. who's being the most tech savvy and yeah it's it's very hard with that sort of criteria i guess mm. yeah and, and so who no so if you ask me who's doing it well i think to myself well what is the criteria mm. and also who am i to be the judge yeah um mm. of who, who's doing it well um, i mean i yeah so i find that a bit of an awkward question but I, having just been overseas that was like the question everyone was asking oh, really when i was overseas because oh. i um, caught up with a lot of friends who used to be here and they're now um overseas and like, hey, you know, what's going on? Who's doing it well? And I was just like, well, what's your criteria for who's doing it well? Yeah. Um, uh, and I'm like, do you really want to know who's doing it well? Or do you want to know the gossip? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So who's doing well? Because <laughs> <laughs> we, we also started talking a little bit about that whole idea of do we need design superstars? Mm, mm. And, you know, we have our David Carsons and our Peter Sills <laughs> and, you know, all, all that kind of stuff and, uh, and I guess I'm always quite interested in that because there's some people who mm. really believe that we do need the superstars to kind of show the public, look, mm. that's that's what we do. Yep. It's easier at a cocktail party or something like that. Does anyone go to cocktail parties anymore? I guess. <laughs> Don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> but it's easier to kind of explain if you can like point at someone and go, oh, have you heard of Stefan Sagmeister or yep. Jessica Walsh or something like that? But what, and what's your take on that? Do you think we need superstars or... I do agree with that. I, th- I think they do. Um, someone told me that the easiest way to talk about what you do is either reference someone who does it better. Yeah. <laughs> or um, to Ali- talk Align yourself, I think. <laughs> yeah. Like the Mark Twain of design. <laughs> yeah. 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 Or a piece of work. You know what I mean? Like you, you contextualize it. So yep. you might say, oh, you know, Jet- Jetstar, I heard you, came, I heard you arrive with um, to Sydney on Jetstar. Well, yeah, you know, um, I work on that. But in, in, I think it is a frame of reference in the public mind, which I think is important because it's like in architecture, they call them star architects, yeah. you know, and, and I feel like through... That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Have you not heard that before? Never. So, so through that, uh, through elevating architects, I think yeah. architecture has over the, certainly over the, um, the last, you know, decades has been able to be elevated in the minds of the public. So I feel like we need them 
to elevate the the value and understanding of what we as an industry do. Uh, I, I think um, where it becomes a little dangerous is where people compare themselves. So, um, uh, you know, there's that there's that competition. Um, and, and I think, well, there doesn't need to be a competition. There's enough of us doing, you know, there's, an, there's enough business to go around and everyone mm-hmm. needs to do their own thing, if that makes sense. Whatever you're good at, you need to mm-hmm. find that and, and find your area and just um, do that do that well. So... so I, I don't. Uh, yeah, I just find it a bit. You know, sometimes I have these. You know, at dinner parties, or when I get together with people from our industry, and and they're comparing someone else's work with someone else's work, and I'm thinking, well, why? Why, yeah. why are you comparing? Like, um, mm. yeah, we ne- we need them, but it's like how and when and why. Mm. Yeah, I think it's important as well for aspiring because yes. we work in education for like yeah. aspiring people to go. Oh, I want to be there one day. Yeah, and you can you can tell that you're pretty far away but it's something to aspire to Mm. as well instead of thinking you know what i'm the best in my group of 20 therefore i can stop learning i know photoshop i know this (laughs) you know you hear that all the time and they give you know have a resume with like nine Mm. out of ten stars saying this is how good i am at whatever and compared to what so i think it is good to have a frame of reference Mm. like a bar as well yeah. yeah, certainly as a student, I mean, I, I thought that was important because it hel- helped also when, when you're a student, you don't quite understand the industry. And, and for example, I didn't, when I went in to do my course, I didn't quite understand the, the dimen- you know, how many dimensions there were, that there was motion, that there was print, that there was editorial and there was brand. Like, you know, that I didn't understand that. But then um, by having people, you... you that you start to understand oh yes that person is associated with this discipline and that this is what and their storytelling yeah. allows you to understand what that discipline involves so they become a channel to be able yeah for me they became a channel to understand understand disciplines yeah because it wasn't just a matter of what they were producing it was when i was um when i was at uni yeah david carson was huge so you know body's book ready story yeah so then that helped me understand what editorial design was involved in terms of as a process and as as as, as a business. Hmm. Were you a Carson person or a Brody person? I was Carson. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, a few weeks ago, I was um, cleaning out my parents. Mum was like, "You have to clean out your wardrobe from my parents' place." <laughs> and um, so I go out there, and and there were some uni projects, and there was one, yeah, that um, was very David Carson inspired. <laughs> I was just like, I did that, like. Oh, that's great because you could just throw it away straight away. <laughs> <laughs> not the biggest Carson fan. Oh, really? No, no I was a Brody person. Oh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I have been wondering after you mentioned him, I'm like, where is he? What's he up to? So it's really interesting because I, in in the college, I was I was just walking through and the lecturer was talking about David Carson. Oh, yeah. And he's kind of come back on the scene as kind of a, a little bit of a, a bit of an artist, I guess, and a oh. bit of a um, spokesperson for design. Right. Um, which is really interesting because he's kind of he kind of left and just yeah. went surfing for a long time, <laughs> um, and he's sort of he's sort of come back and there's been some documentaries made about him recently. Okay. And so, yeah, it's quite it's quite. You know, I watched one recently and it was uh, I can't remember what it was called, but it was really good. Yeah. Um, and it gave me a different point of view on him than mm-hmm. I had, I guess, when I was in college. Hmm. So maybe I should watch it. Open my mind. Huh? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. 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 Um, I just remember he used to cancel a lot of. A lot of gigs. I've got to go surfing. Yeah, yeah. I think that's. So, so, who was your when when you were at college? Who was your sort of, you know, because David Carson was all the rage when I went to when I went to uni. I'm trying to think who it was. 
You can say I, me if you want. <laughs> I was looking. I was looking domestically, so I was looking at Vince and oh, right, and yeah. Kato and everything like that. Yeah. I didn't realize that other people did design outside of Australia. <laughs> I think until I was see that's so a, weird. Couple, a couple of years I think, out. I think maybe for when we were at Union College, I think yeah, we only looked out. Well, definitely my group. I only looked outside. Mm. I think because we, I guess we were kind of studying under Ross Renwick, so he was mm. kind of like Australian design mm. for us. Yeah, and maybe maybe Cato and Emery and but apart from that, it was sort of we were looking outside all the time. I think I knew the I think I knew the the big. I, I was more interested in advertising at the time, oh, okay. so, I was, so I was looking at London and looking right. at and and the, the pentagrams and mm-hmm. Wally Ollens and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I thought was really interesting, but mm-hmm. yeah, the designer designers, the crafts, the yeah. crafts people, didn't really have them posters on my wall <laughs> or anything like that. Yeah. I actually did have a Brodie poster. Did you? Just yeah. in a bikini, just the FHM? <laughs> no, yeah. not, not of him. Oh, okay. Um, of some of his face. I, it was like a poster with all the face um, oh, yeah. covers. Yeah. Loved the face. Mm. All right. So talking about just kind of like having, I guess, comment on on the industry and everything. Another great segue there. Do you see that? <laughs> it's amazing. <coughs> it's, sta- it's, it's particularly subtle when you point it out after you make the segue. Yeah, it is. <laughs> right, I can edit all that, all that out. <laughs> so the, um, you did a piece in desktop at the start of the mm-hmm. year, which I thought was really interesting because mm-hmm. you, you looked at the year ahead in design basically yes. for 2016. And I just thought it'd be quite, because we're nearly, we're getting t- towards the end of the year. So I thought it'd be interesting to go back over it and kind of like see see whether you think or, or, or where it came from or whether you think it's actually come come about, I guess. Um, yes, so some of the things that, uh, yes, well, the Olympics are coming up, right? So one of the things I talked about was um, altruistic branding. Yeah. So this idea that, you know, brands have a higher purpose and really tap into the higher purpose of people realising their potential. So, um you know, I think David Jones uh, in the last few months has certainly, or since the end of last year, has certainly been um, do, doing that. So it's beyond retail, it's beyond the actual product, it's actually you know, uh, empowering people. And so I, I, I thought to myself, just coming here, I was just like, oh, the Olympics are around the corner, which means altruistic branding and it's like... It's <laughs> going to go crazy. It's going yeah. crazy. And I mean, did you see Nike's ad that they dropped this week? Which is no. the unlimited futures? Oh wow! So there's it's um, ha, ha, check it out. Yeah. So it's basically I think it's a sixty second spot and um, it starts off with these um, young. Uh, actually, I won't give it away because it's 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 quite cute and clever, but it's all about realizing your potential because I mean that is so on brand for Nike. Mm. Yeah, so I think um, in the next few weeks we'll be inundated <laughs> with brands which are all about everyone championing and realising their um, potential. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, tick with that one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I think I think um, you also talked about action by design. Yeah, actually, um, I was in Munich um, just before what's unfortunately happened in Munich, literally yeah. a week before it happened. So I came home and then it happened and I was a bit like, oh my God, I can't believe we were just there. And what I was a bit surprised about, so when I spoke about it in Marketing Magazine about Action by Design, that we're using design to um, get, you know, rally behind, you know, situations um, and action for a positive cause, you know, reframe, um, reframe our thinking. It's, it's been interesting because um, obviously after the, the after Paris there was that incredible iconic piece that you know went viral, but I, I haven't seen anything for Munich. I mean, have no. you guys? No, no, nothing. no. Now you think about it. So, 
Yeah, I was a bit surprised because I was thinking, oh, okay, something's going to hit. Like there's going to be some sort of visual. There's always something, isn't there? Someone's done it and they've shared it on their Instagram then everyone takes, steals it and posts it on their Instagram. Or a hashtag or something that kind of tries to work to bring people together in some sort of way. The the biggest one of that was the Charlie Hebdo one, I felt. Like that was, there were hundreds, thousands of them. Yes. But maybe that was because it was focused on comic, like satire, comic place as well. Yeah, so I was just hmm. a bit surprised, like, I see, and yeah. I was just like, is that because um, it wasn't um, big enough or is that because there wasn't anything or is it because I didn't see it or is it that where people are getting fatigue of, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, is it fatigue? I mean, I mean that in a, like, people, um, yeah. Sorry. In terms of, like, news content. No, it's nothing to apologise <laughs> for, it, but, it, like, it, it's, it's something that didn't happen every week and now it seems, that sort of stuff seems like... Yeah. It is happening every week. And at some point, does it get saturated the same way that advertising yes. can get saturated? Yes. And we just sort of start. It's not as... Hard-hitting. It's not as hard-hitting because it's not, oh, another yeah. X has happened. Um, and therefore, it's like, eh, it doesn't, doesn't really affect me right now till it happens here. Mm. And then you think about the celebrity thing or the yeah. design news yeah. or whatever it is that's more interesting in our feed. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Ooh, Oof, well, Sorry. Yes. Let's pick this back up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, destination branding. Oh, destination branding. Oh, yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's just going to keep going. Like, mm-hmm. I think that whole uh, idea, um, especially now as we lead into summer, I think we're going to be hit in, with destination branding because it, it ties nicely into holidays. Can you explain what that is? Well, there's, I guess there's two types For of... For a friend. Des- yeah. <laughs> uh, there's two types of destination branding. Um, I mean, it's basically branding, yeah. I, you know, brand identity for places so um you know new caledonia has i would call it destinational branding vanuatu right. uh, um, new zealand 100 percent pure yeah that's destinational branding okay gotcha um and what it's now it's basically made its way beyond tourism into now everyday places so like um you know liverpool in sydney mm. um uh some time ago was rebranded you know um several years ago moon i worked on Parramatta, so you rebrand you you brand a place so you create this sense and it's all about um certainly when i did Parramatta, and i I would have no doubt that this is the case for liverpool um and a lot of regional areas in australia are also branding so you would have seen i think it's called a a vocity yeah so it's regional cities that have um, come together to create one brand to basically promote the value of either living in regional areas or investing in regional areas you know taking a manufacturing plan and putting it there or call center so that's what um yeah places are thinking uh, have realized um that you know we need to either investment or we need people to move there um, and you know we, we need to demonstrate um, our sense of place our sense of purpose our sense of people and so they're creating brands to package that up um, you know to promote it either locally or, or internationally so yeah tourism kind of has been doing it for like decades but in the last um, few years uh, yeah cities uh, regional areas are, are, are on to it Right. I bet you love a Blue Mountains one. Does it have one? Is kind it's of like a bit once you hear it's pretty good. That could be the tagline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, we have Mountains Made, which is uh, Heath Killen and Stuart Buchanan. Um, they got the funding to do brand the whole of the Blue Mountains, I guess. Oh, so, mm. so which is which is starting to get steam. So yeah, and it's 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 a really nice nice thing. So, but I, I it's really interesting because I think particularly with that one, I think the 
the people who live in the mountains have really sort of rallied behind oh, it a little have. bit as well. Yeah. Um, and I think that's I think that's the interesting thing mm. about branding a place is because you you are appealing to future residents potentially, mm. but also you're also building some pride maybe, mm. which I guess is the same for any brand. If you're brand, rebranding or mm. doing something for a company, you, you are potentially bringing some more pride into the people who work there. And The Parramatta one would, must have been really interesting. Um, like with that, that the development that's happening there. Yeah, and definitely. It, it yeah. Obviously worked because it's going gangbusters at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, there were multiple stakeholders. That's what's interesting about when you, um, you know, do uh, branding for a place. So... Mm. You'll have, you know, the council, and obviously yep. they have their interests, and then you'll have someone from the cultural aspect who, you know, and then you'll have someone community representing groups. community gr- yeah. the community groups, and you'll have someone representing diversity and someone representing co- the commerce, like you know, p- the Chamber of Commerce for Parramatta and all that sort of, sort of thing. So you need to make sure that um, the work that you do uh, speaks to all those audiences and all their interests because they all have different objectives. You know, the community yeah. want, um, you know, to feel whatever, the, you know, they very clearly in the briefing will, will talk about the image that they want to portray of their community. The Chamber of Commerce will obviously talk about driving investment um, and, you know, the, the cultural officer will say, you know, for me it's really important that we represent diversity. Yeah. So, it, so it's actually, to be honest, play. it can be, in, has been in, certainly when I've done it the most complex of work because you're managing so many stakeholders because normally yeah. you manage one yeah. one brand if that makes sense but yeah. here you're actually got multiple brands coming together to form a new brand you mm. can't really sit down with the CEO can you <laughs> well, that's like, I'm just picturing this giant table yeah. with just so many people all yeah, completely all dressed differently probably personal agendas and yeah, yeah. Sort of, yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So then the job becomes not only, the job is not only the creative job, but the job is also managing the stakeholders. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. It sounds complex. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I want to bring attention to number four, which was pastel power. Oh, pastel power. Yeah. That's the only one I would say that maybe hasn't kind of hit yet. Am I? Yeah. So we had. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you've just been doing some work that's about to hit. Uh, 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 no, I think. Th- Pastel power is now on its way out. You know how, like, I'm sure you've seen it. It's it's been everywhere. That I think I think it kind of reached its pinnacle at the at the beginning of the year when Pantone did declare those, you know, the the pastel blue and the pastel pink yeah. as their colours. So I think that was an affirmation that we've we've reached the pinnacle um, <laughs> because for the last few years, you look at any art direction, um, mm. you know, you open up any magazine, look at photo shoots, you look at any um, still life, and it's all been, you know pastels so i think it's it's now on its way out mm-hmm. which i mean i loved i loved pastels but i'm kind of like okay i'm, over the, well. pa- I'm, o- I'm over the pastels <laughs> yeah it's time <laughs> and then the final one on the list and i just think it's worth mentioning is you said in-house is the new hot house yeah well actually one of my team members has just resigned and she's off to work in-house oh wow yeah so uh, so i would say um and i in the conversations i have um Often with, because I keep in touch with a lot of people I've worked with over the years and a lot of them kind of pick my brains, what do I do next? And certainly over the last few months when I've caught up for lunch or dinner with um, people, often a a dilemma that they're in is, you know, like, do I go in-house or do I, um, you know, do I go to another agency? And I would say I'm seeing more and more people um, go in-house because the opportunities, uh, like like in-house they're building they're investing in teams 
they're building the opportunities in terms of that access to decision makers. Yeah. There's that real time ability to respond um, uh, respond to work. And I, and I think, you know, certainly when I started my career, in-house was like a dirty word. Like you were a second tier designer if you went in-house. Mm. But not now. Like, you know, you've got all these incredible creative directors, design directors, you know, going to the likes of, um, you know, I mean, Apple, um, Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that set the trend. So all of a sudden, you know, if it's acceptable to go to brands like that, then it's acceptable to, there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of Australian brands who are building up their in-house teams and, and who on purpose are poaching um, creative talent from agencies because they want um, an agency capability in terms of their capability and their and their attitude. Mm. So I I don't know my firsthand my experience is I'm definitely seeing more and more of that. And I mean I don't know do you see it in the education sphere with the the I mean what's the conversation amongst the students? Education not so much but um, definitely seeing it with everyone I interact with. Yeah. Yeah exactly the same thing and it's been over the last probably year so i Mm. i think this is absolutely on point um i'm seeing it so much i had a conversation with with um with someone that runs a digital agency and they were saying so the superstars five years ago a lot of them were working at obviously tech companies but also all Mm. the finance companies because they have they have the money and kind of the work-life balance that you know the agency life we all know the agency life like you know you work really hard but you work but you play hard and you all that sort of stuff but um, that idea of retiring to client side, I think, seems to be going away really, really quickly. Yeah. My LinkedIn feed pops up all the time with this person has left yeah, this right. fantastic, absolutely fantastic um, agency or studio or um, product design agency, um, and they're working for this company that I wouldn't think of off the top of my head where I thought this is where this sexy design work is, mm-hmm. but something's bringing the talent over there. Mm-hmm. and couple of guesses what it is but it's probably a combination of things though it probably is a combination of things yeah. like, as you said like, i think I cult- to, culture would have be, a lot to do with it and yeah i get yeah. to make long-term Focus. decisions and yeah. it's not about this one project it's i have access to the ceo day-to-day basis well a friend actually the cd um when i was at moon the cd of the creative director of digital at moon he went on to financial services to work in-house at bt financial group and now he's at cba and one of the things that he has said has been really um, why he loves it is is the ability to influence product. So he's working with mm. the product team. So he's hearing firsthand what's happening with the product and service, and therefore how to create a digital experience which reflects that. Yeah. But in but but it's so collaborative. You know, he'll go back to that team and say, "Look, we've come up with this idea of this behaviour or this interaction, um, you, you know, in the app or, or online." How does that influence the service end, you know, in terms of the front line, like back in the actual branch, or how does that influence actually what we're delivering, again, back to, um, back to the product? I don't think agencies have that access. Absolutely, um, yeah. You know, like, uh, it's, it's very difficult for a lot of clients when you're dealing only with the marketing team to say, hey, you know, can we have access to the guys who influence XYZ outside of marketing? They it's very hard to get that so i i think i mean certainly with um tony he he's that that excites him the ability that he it's not just he's not just creating digital assets he's actually changing um the way yeah. the, the brand is experienced much in much more holistic way 
I think it's at some point. It's happening all the time. It's probably going to happen much, much more. It's the death of the agency you heard it here first. I, I think Maybe. what's happening is now, um, before five years ago, when you interviewed someone, you would have to, you would be competing against another agency. So it'd be like, you know, yeah, okay. that's not that's not the conversation now. Like, yeah. um, you're competing with the with the actual brand. Yeah. You, uh, and I th I find that um, quite an interesting dynamic because. In a way, it, it, you can't compare an agency to a brand. Like it's not apples versus you know apples. It's apples and oranges. Whereas before, you know, I mean, it's not a practice I do, but I certainly have seen other people in an interview. They'd be like, "Oh, who else are you looking at?" And, and they'd roll off a few other agencies, and then they'd have a dig at the other agencies. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I've seen it. <laughs> um, and but uh, how can you have a do you get a brand when you actually don't know what's going on in that brand? Yeah. yeah. You know, you, at the moment, they're kind of like um, sacrilege. You actually don't know. Like, I mean, I've got a friend who's, like I said, working in-house, so I, I get a bit of, oh, that's how, that's how it works. But it's, it's, a, it's a new frontier, so there's mm. not much, and every brand would be different because they've got their own culture. Yeah. yeah. I, th I think the people I know working in-house are, are they always talk about this kind of time that they get to sort of focus on what's next for the brand or kind of the oh, future okay. kind of play sort of area, which I think um, always sounds very appealing, kind of, but which you don't really get to do if you're in a studio or an agency as much because you've got a job to do and you need to get that job out. Um, I wanted to talk to you before we finish up about your writing because obviously that's, that's a big area that you are probably known for. Um, and that you enjoy, I assume. Yeah, I, I do like writing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do like writing. Um, uh, y y oh, I mean, one of the reasons I was a bit like, oh, I'm not sure if I, I can do this radio interview because I... Um, oh, really? I was, I was really worried about the ability to sit down and, and um, you know, just talk off the cuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, I mean, you guys gave me, you know, confidence... To, uh, um, that it's just a conversation but yeah writing um, I definitely uh, in, enjoy um, you know whether it be like uh, writing opinion pieces um, uh, yeah I definitely enjoy that or just um, I do a bit of poetry you know oh wow like it's uh, it's nothing that I share with anyone it's so I don't I don't know it's just something that I do for myself in my time mm. Um, and I is don't know. It, is it big? Because it's. I guess why I was interested is is do you, how important do you think it is for designers to be able to write well? Mm. And because it's definitely something that has kind of left design education in, in many ways. Oh right. I would say. I'm sure at unis they're writing quite a lot still. They're they're writing quite a lot, but they're not. It's essay writing, which is slightly different, I think. Okay. Yeah, I th look, I think it's very important that designer can write because the ability to write is the ability to articulate your point of view. Mm. So, um, and not always, you won't always have the opportunity to stand or sit in front of a client and present a piece of work and actually talk face to face. Often, particularly when you're in the motions of work, you have to just send that PDF. Mm. So the ability to um, write in, in that presentation is really important. One thing I've certainly le learned over the last few years, you have to you have to be mindful of your or like who is your audience when you write. And what I mean by that is when I when I started my career, I, the way I write an email was the same way I'd write a presentation was the same way I write an opinion yeah, piece. Yeah. 
And then I went, no, 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 no. Um, in the last few years, I've gone, you know, this is how you write an email. How do I put a presentation together? This is how I put a presentation. This is how I write an opinion piece. So, because often I think the biggest mistake designers make, and 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 especially with young ones, I see this all the time. And I mean, I did it myself. Is that they write essays to present a piece of work, and it's like, how do you just pair that back, pair it back, pair it back mm. to literally a sentence? You know, when mm. you're presenting an idea, here's a page, here's one line. I don't want a rationale that's like a paragraph. Yeah. You should uh, so and you know then the next page you have a piece of work. How do you sum that piece of work up in one sentence? And that is that is a skill, and that's mm. taken me a long time of my career to be able to edit and refine to be able to just put that one sentence or that uh, that one line. And unfortunately, I think when you're young, you put so much energy and effort into a piece of work, and then explaining the piece of work. Like it kills you when I say, strip it back, strip it back. What is the core idea that you're trying to communicate here? And I can see like they're so, you know, it, 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 it's hard for them to absorb because they're like, I've just spent half an hour crafting this <laughs> paragraph. And, and I'm like, well, you can't sit in the meeting and, um, you know, read off the paragraph. And if right. you send that as an email, like a PDF, yeah. no one's going to read it. I can tell you now they're going to click to the next page. Yeah. So um, that that's... um. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a skill. I mean, I'm still I'm still learning, and you learn from the way people respond to you. Mm. Okay, I used the wrong language there, or I um, the wrong uh, the wrong structure, um, the wrong flow. Mm. How, how do I how do I do it better? And then also, you have different clients who like different things. So sometimes a client loves all those that detail, and other clients are just like just. Some clients don't even want text. They're just like, show me the pictures. Yeah. Because if the pictures can't, if I can't look at a picture and go, yeah, I get it, then there's a problem with the design. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Mm. Cool. I think that takes us to the end. Wow. Well, goes quick, you. doesn't it? Oh, it does goodness. go really quick. Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank I, you very much for coming on. I need to stop preparing all the stuff I want to talk out because then I generally we get to this point and I'm like I only got through half yeah you're always surprised <laughs> yeah, the shock on Matt's face um, something we do at the end is um, just kind of go around and say where people might be able to find you is there a website or something you want to point people towards oh my god I'm a dinosaur <laughs> um, don't give your physical address out uh, 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 how do you find me how do you find me L- LinkedIn 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 yeah. is the fallback yeah, well, I'm gonna have to, that means I'm going to have to use it do you use Twitter or Instagram? I'm on or? Instagram. Like I'm on like I'm kid, a bit obsessed. Kid, kid pictures. Yeah, I'd say fifty percent yeah. pictures. Um, Same. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I need to create another channel for my design bits and bots. Yeah, LinkedIn is the is the best. I don't know. I'm always afraid of people contacting me. Yeah. Yeah. People want to find out what you look like and <laughs> who's this person that's been talking we'll find we'll, we'll have a chat after and we'll find one link and we'll put it at the oh, end yeah. if people want to, <laughs> want to discover um, and Matt where can people find you? Uh, Leechworth although I'm attempting Leechworth on Twitter but attempting to go into Instagram slightly brave new world yeah maybe, maybe Snapchat and um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you heard it here folks um, and uh, I'm at Flynn Tracy on pretty much everything you can find this episode and more at ausdesignradio.com. Fancy new URL. Um, so regulars maybe note that change. And you can follow the show itself on Twitter and Instagram and SoundCloud at ausdesignradio. On SoundCloud, can people leave comments? Yeah. So they can say that was a stupid question, Matt. Yeah. 
no. <laughs> yeah, so if Matt or I say interesting too many times, my interesting count was up to about nine this episode. So Oh, really? You yeah, can count I'm a, I was terrible at it as well. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Linda. Well, thank thank you, you. Thank you so much. Thank you.